before. What we've been doing in this class for a number of uh, Sundays is we've been uh, trying to flesh out and the Lord's command in the Great Commission in the last chapter, in the last verses of Matthew, where he says not only to teach all nations and make disciples, he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The <clears throat> and then he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so what we've been doing is going through the Gospels during the time of Christ's life here upon the earth and noticing the imperative verbs which are commands. And uh, those are really uh, sobering when you realize that it's the King of Kings that gave these commands. It's not an option. We can't say, do I feel like doing it or not doing it? But they're clear commands to his children and some of those, at least for me, have been very uh, sobering and very challenging and uh, attention-getting. Because often we, we uh, major on evangelism, and that's what the first part of this is, to teach all nations, to make disciples of all nations. But also those disciples need to be discipled and they need to be trained and uh, and we don't often look at the commands of the Lord we have ABC's of Christian growth when we talk about baptism and different things but the Lord gave some really specific commands which gets down to where the rubber meets the road and we noted one of those last week when we looked in this same chapter, Matthew 22, and we saw the Pharisees coming to him and asking him if it was lawful to give tithes or give a tribute to Caesar. And they said there, uh, and verse 17, tell us therefore what thinkest thou, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? So we pay our taxes. And uh, I mentioned to you that when I first came here, there was the treasurer and the song leader, both were in a movement called the Far North Patriots, which was opposed to giving taxes to the government. Well, should we? Should we? And we flesh that out. Here's a, here's a government that pays for abortions. The National Endowment of Arts has pornography that the government pays for. And all kinds of horrible things. Should we give them money? And the Lord said here, uh, showed me the tribute money. And they brought him a penny, uh, a denarius. And he said, and whose is this image and superscription? We find the, the uh, imperative, the command of this verse, where he says in 21, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. The command, render. 
It's not an option. And in fact, I, I remember if you last week pointed out to you there's a vast difference between they asked the question, should we uh, give tribute in verse 17? And the Lord doesn't use the word give, but he uses the word render. Render is something that is owed. We owe it to the government to pay taxes. And uh, the Lord is for that. And, and you say, well, we have a wicked, wicked government, but... But, uh, I mean, they had a wicked, wicked government, too. They had a government in which Caesar was considered a god. And so uh, we, we fleshed that out. And today, uh, they're going to ask him about worship. In verse 34, when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees in silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer... Ask him the question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so what we got going on here. Underneath, underneath the scenes in a typical way, whenever the Passover lamb was selected, it was brought aside and shut up and tested and watched to make sure that it had no flaw in it. And in a typical way, the Lord is allowing the scribes and the Pharisees and the Herodians to question the, Jesus Christ to see the flaw, and they have an ulterior motive. They know that the masses of people are following the Lord. They're, uh, they're not saved. They're curious. Uh, and, and, but nevertheless, the, he stands in opposition to the Pharisees' mafia and uh, turned over the tables in the temple and challenged them on the changing of the money. And uh, he's a threat to them. And they're, so they're trying to find out something that they can catch him on. And then we told you last week, if he would have said, yes, yeah, lawful to give money to Herod, then the Pharisees would have been upset. Here's an occupying government. If he said, no, uh, don't give money to Herod, then the Herodians who were... Uh, being allowed to, Herod was being allowed to rule by the Romans and they were cooperative. They would have went over and told Herod and Herod would have told Rome and uh, insurrection would be accused of the Lord of saying don't pay taxes and he would have been, uh, he, it would have been a real problem. And, and the uh, result of that, as Jesus said, neither one, but he says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and the Lord to the, those that are Lord. So the Pharisees here in this verse 34 come back again with another question. And they're questioning about what's the greatest commandment. And you have to understand that there was always a debate within the circles of the Pharisees about what's the greatest commandment, what's the most important commandment. The word Pharisee means separated. And uh, they 
unlike the Sadducees, they've put a lot of stock into the written law of God, but there is much more weight, possibly because of the volume of the oral law of Moses. They claim there was some kind of oral law that wasn't written down in the Bible. That Moses not only gave the Ten Commandments, but he also gave many things that would define it and elaborate on it. And all these oral laws were put in a book that the Jews had called the Talmud. And uh, they had laws concerning the laws and laws concerning the laws about the laws. And uh, actually, they had 613 laws. And so they asked the Lord, well, what's the most important? Which is the greatest law? There's 248 positive laws and 365 negative laws. And they wanted to know what laws had greater weight and what laws had lesser weight. And no one actually agreed on which was greater and which was lesser. And there was a constant debate going on. And that debate still goes on today, doesn't it? What's really bad? And what's not so bad? Isn't there a difference between a white lie and a black lie? And what's acceptable and what's not acceptable? You know, I sin, but I haven't ever murdered anybody. Well, let me think about that. Have you ever hated your brother? But the Bible makes it pretty plain. For, who, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. And so God doesn't have a greater and lesser standard. Um, he doesn't, he said, it's all important. And, and if it's a lesser one, it's not going to keep you out of hell. The wages of sin is death. And there is, it seems to be a degree of punishment in hell. Uh, but hell's hell <laughs> and hell's eternal. And sin is sin. And God's not going to overlook it. And so Jesus, in, in answering this, he wants to be biblical, as always. And he goes back to Deuteronomy. If you want to flip back there to Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And then a similar, similar if you go to Leviticus, Leviticus 19 and 18. 
Thou shalt not, this is uh, one the, the second commandment, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Now, the Deuteronomy passage was a very, very familiar passage. In fact, every morning and every evening, uh, this would be quoted. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. They also made these little boxes that you could wear upon your head, because there's a verse that says, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be a frontless between thine eyes. When they went to prayer, they didn't wear them around at work so much, but they put it on their head, and inside of that little box, they would, they would put some paper or parchment, and it would have Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 on it. And uh, it was very ceremonial, very religious, and uh, so he, and then wondering what, what, asking the question, what's the greatest command, he takes him right back to the Word of God, and right back to one of their favorite verses, and he, and he says to them that the Bible says that you to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and with all thy might. And then he quotes Leviticus, where we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And actually, it's a, it's a brilliant answer. And actually, it, uh, it covers all of the Ten Commandments. Um, the the, uh, the uh, commandment one through four is it's found in Exodus. It covers, um, it, it covers uh, no gods before him, other gods. It, it, it covers don't make any idols. It covers uh, using his name in vain. And it covers, remember, the Sabbath to, to, to honor the day of rest. And so, if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our strength, and all our might, then... All these commandments here are going to be fulfilled. The commandments 5 through 10, of course, deals with the loving your neighbor. The first is concerning honor of the father and mother. I will not kill. Murder is forbidden. Adultery. Theft. Thou shalt not steal. Bearing false witness. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, lying. And then coveting. Why did I put all this up here? Well, just for one point. 
of course, that's if you love your neighbor, you're going to honor your father and mother, no murder. You're not going to commit adultery. Still, you're not going to commit theft. You're not going to lie. You're not going to covet. But right here, this is just a little little rabbit trail. You've heard this rabbit trail before. Right here, honor to father and mother is a is a pivotal verse. It's a a standout verse, or you can say it's an outstanding verse. Because here's the deal. If you don't teach your children to honor the Lord, they're not going to honor you. And if you don't teach your children to honor you, they're not going to have any respect for God. And to honor your father and mother, the, one of the great reasons America is in the, in the fix that it's in is that there is no honor for your parents. And there's no honor for God. And that's because we've left the word of God and the commandments of God. And, and the fifth commandment is pivotal. You, your children are not going to grow up and respect God when you say, if you don't quit that, you're going to face the wrath of God. When they've never faced your paddle on your, their bottom for disobedience, they're not going to believe you. And so there needs to be a real concentration upon the fifth commandment as well as the rest of them. Look over in, uh, in Romans 13 and 8. Let me, while we're going there, let me just say this about this, uh, this passage is a little bit different than what we've been studying. Because of the, what we've been studying, we've actually found verbs that are in the parative, which are commands. This is not, there's no, there's no real command in this verse in the sense of imperatives, but there's an overall discussion about what are the great, greatest commands that we should be involved in. And he's talking about the Ten Commandments. But in Romans 13 and 8, he says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, but thou shalt not, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so, uh, pretty plain what the Lord is doing here. He's uh, built, said what he said on a solid foundation of the scripture. And so in these commandments he's linked to the Lord and the and mankind. And if you go over to first John four twenty one, you'll see that love for God cannot be divorced from love for men. In 1 John 4 and verse 21, And this commandment hath we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. That uh, when, when we lose our respect for the Lord and when we lose our 
closeness to the Lord, uh, our actions and reactions toward people are going to be directly affected. And we're not going to love people properly until we love the Lord and love what the Lord loves. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, if we go back to our text in Matthew 22, he says here in verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, So he uses three terms here. Mark actually uses four terms, but he uh, would love the Lord with our heart, with all thy heart. And with all thy soul and with all thy mind, the heart, the soul and the mind. Now, when the, when the, the Greeks, or, I mean the Jews, the Hebrews, talks about the heart, it's a, one's a core, it's, a, it's just a, the basic core of your life. If you go over to uh, Proverbs, this is um, a verse you know, but, and I'm making you turn a lot today, I know. But in Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, and verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so when we talk about our heart, we're talking about our, our life. We're talking... He uses the word issues of life, who we are, what we think, uh, our person, that, that, uh, uh, that from which our worldview, our convictions, our standards come out of our heart. And then... In uh, Matthew 26 and 38, Matthew 26 and 38, he says here, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. He talks about the soul being sorrowful, and the soul is, is emotions. And then he uses the word mind. What is that? Well, their mind is where understanding comes from. Reason. Now, what you gotta, 
what, we, what, you, what I want you to see here is that, that uh, to love the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, it's much more than emotions. The love, we usually just say, oh, I love those brownies. Or I just really love that girl. Uh, that's Greeks. If you love the brownies, it's more like phileo love. I love the Lord. It's agape love. And we usually just look at it as emotion. That I have to love the Lord with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. To love, we usually think, well, you know, it stirs me inside. I went to church today and man, I come away. The music was great and my emotions were moved. And, but uh, love is much deeper than that, that he's talking about here. What the Lord wants from us and what he wants us to give to others involves our very life. He that hath a son hath life, and he hath not the son hath not life. Or my very being, my very core, what, what makes me, me. The Lord wants me to give that to him. To draw nigh to him because of that. To, 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 uh, to live as Christ. And to die is gain. That's, that's, that's showing love. To live for him is love. And so it, it involves this thing of life. But it also truly involves emotion, you know. That when, when I meditate on what he did for me uh, on the cross. When I realize, you know, that that uh, I am blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God when I really understand what poor in spirit is that spiritually I was a beggar spiritually there was nothing about me that was good and all I could do I, 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 all I could do is beg that term is different from you know there's a term for being poor in that very few of us could go through two months without having a salary. We're poor in that sense. But this, the word poor in spirit has to do with I'm destitute, I'm bankrupt, I'm over in the corner with my head down and all I can do, all I can do, I can't say, I'll go to work for you. All I can do is please help me. All I can do is beg. When I realize that, that I was in that state and the Lord saved me, it involves some emotion. <laughs> if it doesn't move you, then there's something wrong with you. But also, the mind is involved. That, uh, that when people, Pastor spoke about this last week, but uh, when people think that you're just, you're just living on blind faith, no, I'm not. My mind has kicked in. I've examined the Word of God. I've, I've uh, studied the Word of God. I've wrestled in my heart. I've been a Berean, trying to be more noble than those at Thessalonica. That I, uh, that I love the Lord through understanding exactly what He's wanting of me. And so 
It uh, involves the intellect. And in knowing what he wants and knowing what he says, that's going to move me to obedience. And so God is not just looking for people who, on the outside, can go through the motions. We're living in a day of religion and day of spirituality when uh, loving the Lord has been brought down to I go through the motions. Well, of course I love the Lord. I give him my tithe. I go to church whenever it's open. Of course I love the Lord. But the Lord says, uh, I want your life. I want some emotions. But I want you to reason. Come now. Come now and let us reason together. I'm going to do what is reasonable. I've been studying some about counseling, and there's this counseling, uh, uh, this Christian counseling called nuthetic counseling. And nuthetic counseling uh, is the word admonish and, in the Bible. And the word nuos is mine, and the, the thetic part about it is, is to speak, speak to the mind. And what I say in nuthetic counseling is speaking peace to the mind. And so our mind is involved. It's not how I feel about something, but it's what does the Bible say? And right action often then brings right feelings. But God's not really concerned. He wants us to, to have feelings, but he's not really concerned, as we've talked about these commands, God is not concerned how we feel about doing it. He's given an imperative command, and uh, he wants us to understand it clearly. And so it goes beyond just uh, believing uh, it goes deeper than that because even the uh, the devils believe and they tremble. And so, what does love look like? Well, let's look at some verses. Um, let's go to Psalms. <clears throat> Okay, what does love look like? Uh, in Psalms 18, and verse 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Well, uh, he, when he says I love you, it, it's, a, it's a love that relies on his strength. 
It involves, uh, love involves, oh, well, we could spend probably way too much time on this. Uh, I better check my, my rabbit trail here. Okay, I got a lot of time. I can chase all kinds of rabbits here. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The love trusts the Lord. Not always emotional about this. But Lord, you said it. Lord, you're leading this way. And I'm going to trust you. One of the greatest ways we can love the Lord is to trust him. Just trust him. Look in Psalm 63. In Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary, because of thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon thy bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of my wings will I rejoice. My soul falleth hard after thee, Thy right hand upholdeth thee. Although we don't see the, the word love in there, we see all kinds of love. And love, love seeks fellowship. When I first met my wife, and that's before uh, internet, <laughs> and it was all snail mail. And uh, we was firing letters back and forth, and, and I would come home from what I was doing and check the mailbox, and, and uh, if there was no letter in there, it took it to about three in the afternoon to get over the mully grubs. But if there was a letter in there, I'd grab it, go inside as quick as I could, and uh, open it up and read it and uh, read it again fix my meal set it aside and take it out and read it again why because my heart was beginning to have strong emotions well if we really love the lord we ought to seek fellowship And that lack of that sometimes uh, is more revealing than what we think. You know, it's hard to sit in the presence of someone when you've wronged them. 
it's hard to sit in the presence of someone when you know that uh, you've disobeyed. I never wanted to see my dad coming home when I'd been disobedient and I know my mom was going <laughs> to say something. In Psalms 119, let's go there. In Psalms 119 and verse 165, Great peace have they which love the law, and nothing shall offend them. Love, love it results in peace and, and no offense. We're really, at times, easily offended. And that actually speaks more about us than about them. If I really love someone, I'm, it's really hard to even when they're wrong. And so, love is is uh, is easily is not easily offended, and of course. It'd be stupid to be offended by God. In Psalms 119 here in verse 72, it says, The law of thy mouth is better than a thousand, than better, the law of thy mouth, let's see, is that the right verse? 1972. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than a thousand of gold and silver. I don't think that was the right verse. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what we're seeing here is that I love what God loves. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. In verse 97, oh how I love thy, oh how love I the law. It is my meditation all thy day. And then in Psalms 103, in verse 103, he says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And we've alluded to this, but uh, love, uh, love, loves what, loves what God loves. We're, we're trying to ratify love, love that relies on his strength. We seek his fellowship. We can't be offended. And uh, then, I uh, better hurry up here. Uh, in Psalms 97, here's a term here that that seems to be contradictory. In Psalms 97, in verse 10, ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. We don't like to use the word hate and love in any connection. But if we don't hate what God hates, then we don't love God. That's what it's saying. The part of love is a reaction and the emotion of hating evil. 
the second of the uh, Beatitudes, uh, they that mourn. Surely we ought to mourn over our own sin, but we live in a day when, uh, when a bit of Jeremiah where we can weep over our family members and over our friends and over our world. We're going to hate. A part of loving the Lord is to hate what he hates. In 1 John 5, 1, to love the Lord is not only to hate what he hates, but to love what he loves. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is a Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that beget loveth him also that is begotten of him. And so love involves a loving fellow family members in the Lord. I'm going to love others. Love in, uh, in Matthew 26, 75. In Matthew 26, 75. We don't find the word love here, but we find an emotion that is connected to love. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Why did he do that? You see, you don't really weep about hurting others. You don't really weep about being an offense to others unless you, unless you love them. In 1 John 2 and verse 15, just let me read this for you. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so, some things that talk about love. It's connected to the keeping of the commandments. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. First John says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, and we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. And this is the love that we walk after his commandments. His commandments, this is the commandment that you have heard from the beginning, and you should walk in it. You can't divorce the love of God with disobedience. I mean, you can't divorce it from obedience. When we refuse to obey the commandments of the Lord, then it's a clear testimony that our love is not what it should be. And so how do we obtain this love? Well, we've got to be born again. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts Romans 5 says, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to you. So first of all, you need to be saved. 
And second of all, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. To allow Him to energize us. To allow Him to enable us to love Him. And then, very little time on this, but the second commandment was to love thy neighbor as thyself. Now one of the problems with this, and I'll just mention it, I'm sure my rabbit trail has run out. No, five minutes. Boy, it wouldn't go a long way on five minutes. Look over in, uh, it says to love thy neighbor as thyself. And look over in 2 Timothy. And let's see, three. And one. What has happened in what has happened because the church has tried to link the Bible to psychiatrists and psychology. They've come up with this idea that I can't really love you until I love myself. Because to love thy neighbor as thyself. And you see, until I get all my act together and all my emotions right and all my thinking right, you see, the, my real problem is this. I have low self-esteem. And that's why I can't help you because I need help. And that's uh, being promoted and quote Christian circles. But look what uh, Paul says to Timothy here in 2 Timothy 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come and we're in them. For men shall be lovers of their own selves Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And so, I really can't take care of somebody unless I take care of myself. Well, that's not the problem. The problem is I, I'm too much concerned for myself. Let's face it, we're very concerned about our own comfort. We're very concerned about meeting our own needs. We're very concerned about making our When I'm hungry, I take care of me. When I see someone else hungry, do I take care of them with cheerfulness and readiness and the same 
attentiveness as I do myself. When I'm hungry and when I have a need and I come in and, uh, and the meal's not ready, uh, Susie has to tell me, go sit down. When I'm uncomfortable, I want comfort, but do I have the same feelings towards others? And the, so the point is, is that we're hard to care for others as we care for ourselves. And Christianity is really not that difficult. He said there in the last verse of that, he said, on these, the two, on these, the two commandments are held together. And, and uh, he says in verse 40 of Matthew 22, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so it's like he took two big nails and he's hammered them into the post. And all the law and the prophets, all the Bible hangs on these two nails. It's not complicated. Love the Lord and love others. There you go. That's enough to chew on for the rest of the day so you can just miss all the preaching that's going to follow. <laughs> You're dismissed.